The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. It is on this day we are celebrating both January 6th, the Epiphany of our Lord, and January 7th, the Baptism of our Lord. And it's on this day that the Holy Spirit has gathered us here in this place and gives to us a question of meditation and contemplation. What's that question? The question is this. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now, when we meditate and contemplate on this word, we are looking to the word of God for the answer to the question so that we would grow in our knowledge of salvation. In order to prompt this question with us this day and prompt this answer, we have a star and a dove, a soaring star and a descending dove. Now, what a sight it would have been to see this star or this dove in the sky. But we want to be clear here that it's not just a soaring star by itself where you keep watching and looking and seeking but never finding Jesus. Or it's not just a descending dove where you keep watching and looking and seeking but never finding Jesus. The star and the dove are connected to Jesus. Now, this is no ordinary star. This star goes from Jerusalem to Jesus. This dove descends from heaven above to earth below where Jesus stands in the Jordan River. So we cannot separate the star from the word of God or the dove from the word of God. And so that's why in our text, when we have that soaring star with the word, the Magi come from the east and they hear the word of Micah the prophet, the voice of God speaking through his mouthpiece to Bethlehem, the city, saying that in you a ruler will rise up, one who will shepherd my people, one who will be peace. Likewise, when the dove descends, you have the word of God, the voice of the Father from heaven speaking to the Son on earth, saying, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So here we have this word of God connected to these signs in the sky. So the Christ has appeared Come, let us worship him. Blessed be God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come, let us worship him. Now, when we contemplate on this question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Well, in our first gospel text, we realize not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where Herod the Great is there, and he does not know the word of God. He does not listen to the word of God. He does not believe the word of God. So when he hears this, this statement from the Magi that they've come to worship him who was born king of the Jews, and where is he with the question? Herod himself becomes troubled by this. And the text tells us that not only Herod, but all of Jerusalem is troubled. So that you have in that day the culture of the Herodians wanting to be of the world. And see, it's a natural reaction. If Herod is not king and Jesus is king or another is king, that means Herod can't do what he wants to do. Same thing with the culture. If you're not your own king who determines what you want to do, this is bad news. And so, of course, Herod wants to eliminate this threat. But what does Herod do first? He, in a deceptive way, brings forth the 
the scribes, the chief priests, and ask, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Where is this supposed to happen? Well, now the scribes and the chief priests, they know the scriptures. They know the promises of the Messiah. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So they quote from Micah, giving the star and the word a connection so that the Magi can find Christ, the one who is to be born king of the Jews. So it's in Bethlehem that a child will be born. It is in Bethlehem where a ruler will rise up, shepherd the people, and be their peace. But there's a deception here. Again, Herod does not really want to go and worship the Christ child. So when he says to the Magi, when you find him, give me a word so I can go with you too. He doesn't want to do that. But also note, neither do the chief priests and the scribes go. They don't go along with the Magi. So we want to be clear here that it's not just hearing the word of God or just having the word of God, but the issue is going to be believing and worshiping. So where is he who is born king of the Jews? He's in the place where the Gentiles are gathered by God, converted to faith. Those who hear the word, believe the word, receive this good news, and then they go and worship him. Those who are not God's people become God's people. Those who had no mercy become beloved, all for the sake of the beloved Son. So in our second gospel text, we're looking at the baptism of Jesus, and we ask the question again, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And once again, it's not in Jerusalem. That's the place where the chief priests are, the scribes, those who have gathered there. They know the word of God. But these are the ones who are actually condemning the word of God. And ultimately, the chief priest will condemn the word of God in the flesh. So where is he who was born king of the Jews? Well, our attention is, is shifted to the wilderness, where John the baptizer is proclaiming and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, when John was baptizing Jesus, this is when the heavens are torn open over the Jordan River. And the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And then you hear the voice of the Father from the heaven saying to the Son on earth below, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So where is he who is born King of the Jews? Well, he's gathered there in the wilderness with John and those who are confessing their sins. Those who are of the baptized. So he gathers with the people who confess sins. That's what the king of the Jews does. But now, once again, we want to be clear here. When we're talking about confessing sins, it's not merely just the idea of confessing sins, telling each other what you have done wrong. It's not just this gathering of people who are saying, look, I've done something wrong, and so have I, and we've all done something wrong, and then starting to wallow in this mud, starting to actually like to dwell in this mud? I mean, when you are confessing sins, it's like you are throwing up that which is inside of you. It is like you are vomiting out your sin. But without Jesus, if you're doing this alone and it's all about the sin and getting it out, without Jesus, we are like dogs by nature. And we know what dogs do with throw up and vomit. They eat it. We are what we eat. They consume it once again and take it back to themselves. So without Jesus just merely confessing sin, we sit 
in the stench of our own slimy, messy sins with no one to clean us up. But thanks be to God, when the dove descends upon Jesus, marking him as the one who is the beloved, who is well-pleasing to the Father, thanks be to God that we look at Jesus as the one who comes to clean us up. Christ is the one who gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So now when we're talking about epiphany, we want to be clear that this is not just wandering after a star and never finding Jesus. It's not about watching for the Holy Spirit and never seeing Jesus. It's about being gathered where Jesus promises to be present. Well, where is he? The one who is king of the Jews is gathered with those who are confessing their sins in order to forgive their sins so that they would receive the gift of salvation. So here we are gathered this day. This is the place where he who was born king of the Jews comes to be with us in the house of God, where we hear the word, where we believe the word, where we are being converted to Christ and we come and we worship him. Knowing the word that he is the shepherd who gave up his life for the sheep, and he is the one who is our peace. Because when we talk about this confessing of sins, it's not merely just a one-time act or a one-time thing that, well, I did this once, or just merely just regurgitating all the bad that you've done. Instead, to confess sins, we gather at this baptismal font with this baptismal identity that as the baptized, we realize that we still have the sinful flesh. Because of original sin, we still have evil thoughts. We still have wicked desires. We still have sinful wishes. And this plagues us. This plagues us in our conscience with guilt and with shame. But when we gather as those who confess sins to the one who is born king of the Jews, we are gathering to the one who knows our hearts. He knows the situation. He knows where we are. So we are the one as the baptized who still struggle with sin and against our own sinful nature, fighting this, but confessing to him and realizing that our old Adam is to be crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Our old Herod, who does not want Christ to be king, must be brought to nothing. So we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So where is he who was born king of the Jews? Well, he's here at the altar where he gives to us the gift of his body and his blood, where sinners gather to eat from the table of the Lord to receive and to worship and to be granted life, salvation, and the forgiveness of sins. So as the people of God gather to be in his presence where he gathers with us as Emmanuel, we must understand that it's all for the sake of Jesus, his suffering and death, that we become beloved of the Father. That it's because of the suffering and death of Jesus that we become those who are well-pleasing to God. Those who are not God's people become God's people. Those who had no mercy become beloved. And then that word of God in Christ is spoken to us. The Father sees Jesus, a perfect son, who had no sin. 
So the Father speaks that word through Jesus to us, saying that with you, my beloved child, I am well pleased. Amen. The peace of Christ, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts. Amen.